0: Welcome to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shirtliff. The show is heard on WBCQ, the planet, every Monday and Thursday evenings, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And that's subject to change. Uh, It's brought to you by Camp Constitution Radio, which, among all things, runs a week-long family camp. And next year's camp will be from July 14th to the 19th. 2024 at the beautiful singing hills christian camp and conference center in plainfield new hampshire and we've uh, we're going to have a lot of uh, some of our speakers uh, return pretty much every year uh but we have a special guest uh instructor julie wilkinson who was the played the abortion nurse in the movie unplanned and looking forward to that we uh known Julie for a little while, and she was at a ladies' retreat. We also have a weekend retreat that will be coming up late September into early October of 2024, and a soon-to-be-determined or at least soon-to-be-announced date for the ladies' retreat, which is uh, usually in the spring, late April, early May. And if you visit our website, campconstitution.net, you'll see all kinds of activities we have, whether we're uh, guest speaking. We're going to be a guest, uh, one of the speakers at The Grok Fest, I think they're calling it. That's um, in New Hampshire. uh, Granite Grok, which is a wonderful online news source. They have uh, an event, and I'll be one of the speakers, along with Corey Lewandowski and uh, a number of others. So just, again, check our website, campconstitution.net. Also, uh, visit us on Podomatic. This is our flagship uh, podcast. Um, This show airs on, of course, WBCQ, but we will upload the the uh, the the show onto the Podomatic podcast. Anyway, much has happened since I've last been on. Last week we played an interview I did a few years ago with the head of the uh, Italian American Alliance dealing with Christopher Columbus. I thought it was just an appropriate thing to uh, re- uh, show that again. Uh, I, I actually hear some good news. There was a Columbus statue, I think that was removed in Providence, Rhode Island, or somewhere in Rhode Island. But uh, another town uh, asked for the statue, and they were able to um, not instead of destroy the statue, which is what the left and the enemies of America love to see. They ended up uh, putting it in, in in the in town somewhere in I forget where it was. So, so uh, you know, people are I think catching on. They know that there's a real drive to move uh, to destroy uh, our history uh, here in belknap county new hampshire a uh, crazy leftist wants to rename uh actually not belknap new hampshire i'm sure up in uh, mount washington which is the highest elevation it's not in uh belknap county but it's in a about an hour north of where i am uh, because washington owned slaves somehow that's just we just learned that you know recently we didn't know that and that we we had no idea that that happened and it was also, there's a Baker River Valley uh, in New Hampshire. And this person wants to rename that because it was named after a person who actually fought Indians and killed Indians. As of, uh, you know, I'm sure if the Indians wiped out his his army or his militia, it would have been okay. But um, anyway, so, but I, uh, I uh, what I do is I tell people, I, I can spend a, another time discussing the slavery issue. But I just want to recommend a great book, which I've discussed before. It's called. Uh, black Rednecks and White Liberals, and it's by Thomas Sowell. And it's, the book's been out for a while, and there's a great chapter on slavery where he said that slavery had been around for you know for, from, for thousands of years since the beginning of man's history. Uh, and he said it was mainly England and the United States that abolished it. England, I think, played the lead role in that George Washington uh, did not create slavery. He inherited slaves. He did his utmost. He freed his slaves, and he provided for them as well. You can; it's easy enough to free somebody, but hey, so long. We enjoyed your company, but time to go. He also provided for them, and uh, they say, well, he owned two hundred slaves or whatever the number was, but a good percentage of them, maybe. 20 to 40 percent of them were elderly. He was caring for me. In other words, they weren't able They weren't able to work anymore on the farm. And there's a lot of dynamics that the left doesn't mention. Um, the left, by the way, uh, and uh, we're getting into a little bit. I don't want to spend the whole show talking about Hamas and Israel, but I think it's important to bring that up. Um, And uh, the Muslims, by the way, were very, very reluctant to uh, end slavery in Muslim countries. And it was almost always at the insistence of either England or a Western European nation or the United States when they made treaties. And uh, they they did it reluctantly. And there's still slavery in certain Muslim countries today. Uh, But that doesn't seem to really bother the left. It doesn't matter the history, the truth. It's all about narrative. It's all about um, emotion. Uh, feelings and but it's interesting how they can turn those emotions off when uh, Hamas, which uh, has autonomy in the Gaza Strip, a little chunk of land I think is about 140 square miles with 4 million people on there. Was it 4 million? Maybe a little less than that, but still a lot of people. Um, and the Hamas launched a horrible uh, terrorist attack. And a lot of innocent people were killed, I think over a thousand. Um, and this, this Hamas, it, they weren't into some pitch battle with the Israeli Defense Force. They were going after unarmed people. They murdered uh, children and so forth. Terrible. And there are people on the left that to celebrate this. They think it's a good thing. Um, you know, you, you 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 can be critical of Israel, and that's legitimate. Uh, you can criticize the policies, but you cannot uh uh, condone a uh, terrorist against innocent people, regardless of uh, uh, what you think. I mean, and the left does. They have a very difficult time, and this is really going to show their true colors. And this is what's bothered me. I, for many years, I was a field rep for the John Birch Society, and the left, and 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 liberals as well. And I make the distinction too, and I've just, I've identified this that a leftist is somebody who hates America, wants to see it destroyed, Marxist, communist. A liberal who's bought into some of the portions of the left, there, they don't hate America much, but they'd like to see it change fundamentally. And um, but they don't hate America; um, they still love it, and they, they'll even fly the flag, you know. Um, but uh, leftists, of course, they'll, they'll fly flags; they wouldn't be the U.S. flag unless it was upside down, and and that's the difference. But anyway, I've been I've been called an anti-Semite. Uh, for many, many years because of my uh, my being a member of the John Birch Society. Uh, and if any organization that's just the opposite of anti-Semitic, it's the John Birch Society, but the truth doesn't matter. And you hear a lie often enough, it becomes the truth. Even those people who tell the lie, and some people don't know the difference. They hear something, they don't bother to examine it. They just say, well, uh, the person who told me this lie uh, told me this information I relied upon, and it must be true, because that person or organ, news organization would never, never, never lie. I was reading today, talking about a classic example of um, of the deep state media, the fake news. Uh, it was NSNBC had an article about a, um, I don't know if I call it a riot, but in Manhattan in New York City, there was some... Uh, People protesting illegal immigration. They're the Gracie Mansion, the with the with the mayor's, of the home of the mayor, and it said uh, it said Vi- violent Trump supporters clash with um, what's the term they used? Um, oh, they used some. They had a, a, an adjective to describe passionate, passionate uh, uh, counter protesters. So so you have some people who are Trump supporters. They mentioned Curtis Silva, who was a Head of the Guardian Angels, who I understand is not a Trump supporter, but very much against the illegal alien policies of New York City, where there's over hundred thousand of these illegals making life very difficult in the city. It's difficult enough living amongst all those leftists. Now you have to deal with illegal aliens on top of the crazy leftists that make life miserable. Letting criminals on uh, out, you you commit a violent crime, be out in the street the next day. Uh, and so the uh, Antifa types and some of the pro-Palestin- pro-Palestinians showed up, which really had nothing to do with illegal aliens, uh, in so many, uh, so to speak. And and they said that the Trump supporters were violent and the other group was passionate. And that's just typical of the fake news. Uh, but it was just so glaring. It was just very interesting. It was just a so gl- glaring example of how the fake news uh, spins things. So, um, again, I'm not going to go into a long discussion about Israel, but this is the bottom line. Um, the Palestine Liberation Organization, PLO, was from, for years uh, run by Yasser Arafat, an atheist, communist, Marxist, and terrorist. And they bombed, they they killed innocent people. So, you know, you, you may have a... There's always people that have... You know, there's, there's grievances that are legitimate. Yes, Israel probably did some things they shouldn't have done. Um, but when you're dealing with terrorists, um, you have to deal with, you can't negotiate with terrorists. And terrorism isn't a way to get your, isn't a way to uh, win, win, win the day, for example. So um, what happens is the West, uh, the United States leading the call, encouraged or actually tied all foreign aid to um, to make sure that the Israelis negotiate with the PLO. And they did. They could have wiped the PLO out. I had, uh, I remember back in the 80s talking to, uh, I had a schoolmate, she was college, and she mentioned, uh, she was from Israel, and she mentioned uh, that we could have taken out the PLO anytime we want. However, the United States government uh, won't allow us. And uh, foreign aid is always tied to this um, idea that you have to tolerate the PLO. And so they end up negotiating, and I think, yes, Arafat won the Nobel Peace Prize, a man who was responsible for some serious uh, violent activity, including the, um, the Olympic, uh, I think it was in 72 in Munich, where the uh, PLO murdered a number of athletes, uh, Israeli athletes. I remember that. I was only 13 or 14 when it happened, but I vividly remember uh, seeing um, what they did. And Arafat, he was almost untouchable. Uh, I remember, I think it was in the nineties. He was, he was surrounded, uh, by hostile forces and he got out. And I remember people said, okay, what, what are the odds that he will uh, be killed? I, he won't be killed. He'll be out. And he, sure enough, he was out. So he was the, uh, deep States man to cause uh conflict. And, uh, this, this, uh, and I'm, let's put this in a spiritual perspective. There will always be conflict in the middle East until the Prince of Peace, uh, the people who follow the Prince of Peace prevail. And that's not the case. Um, It's funny, we did a a Bible study. Reverend Stevie Craft was at our Bible study in Alton, New Hampshire, at the community church, the men's Bible study. And he went over the book of uh, Esther. And he said, this is sort of the the beginning of anti-Semitism. It's probably before that. But Haman uh, wanted the Jews destroyed, completely obliterated. And just the opposite happened. Uh, and he said, this is the beginning of anti-Semitism because the Jews wouldn't bow down to the decrees of Haman, who had the obviously the authority through Xerxes. Uh, and uh, he's because they they look different. They spoke different. They had different customs and they don't bow down to the, They don't uh, acknowledge the king's decrees. He, they must be wiped out. And. Uh, you to find out that Haman uh, wasn't such a great guy after all, and Xerxes ended up having him executed, and uh, all of them were uh, his army was uh, his supporters were put to death, and it was interesting because um, as King Solomon said in Proverbs, um, "Not there's nothing new under the sun." So, uh, I am, but not a f- big supporter of foreign aid. However, Israel is a first world uh, country, and they have probably the the best army, because they've been tested it's, uh, in the world. And uh, and unfortunately, there's going to be, there already is a lot of bloodshed, and there's going to be a lot of people in Palestine who probably don't deserve to be, uh, uh, be in the way. But when you, when you deal with terrorists, and terrorists can be, they'll come at the table, they will clink glasses, they'll smile, they will um, agree with you uh, for a while, and even uh, they may even be peace, but it's not a true peace. It's it's a temporary peace until they see an advantage uh, or strike. And the reaction is very interesting. Of course, Saul Alinsky said the action is in the reaction. But you see here in the United States, the members of the Democrat Party that are completely supportive of Hamas, uh, especially these so-called members of the squad uh, that come here uh, from Palestine, uh, living in, you know, terrible conditions they come here and they hate the united states well you know if you hate so they come here they don't come here to have a better life they come here to basically be um uh, what's the fifth columnist that's the term used to describe people who pretend to be uh, an ally or uh, even u.s citizens um and end up working on the other side and that's where this talib that's where she comes from and these are just evil people and they need to be voted out it'd be nice to see them expelled but the cow- the democrats of course are too nasty and the republicans for the most part are too cowardly so you probably won't see that happen but it just goes to show you how um, at harvard university all these student groups all supporting the hamas And Harvard um, had to come out. They didn't do it because they wanted to. They did it because of all the pressure. So the true anti-Semites are showing their hand. It isn't people like me and people in the John Birch Society who simply aren't in favor of foreign aid because it's not constitutional. It's got nothing to do with whether we love or hate Israel or love or hate Jewish people. In fact, the John Birch Society has always had Jewish people in its ranks. And uh, and uh, uh, you know one of my dearest late friends was Sam Blumenfeld. Now Sam was raised in a Jewish household. He was more of a secular Jew. You know, he believed in God, but he wasn't what you, he wasn't an Orthodox Jew. Uh, he celebrated the Jewish holidays, and he converted to uh, Christianity. And but he always uh, loved Israel. He was always uh, you know sympathetic to the plight of Israel and supportive of Israel. And uh, and again, I'm not. um, I'm an. I I I believe as a constitutionalist, I don't think we should be sending foreign aid. We send it everywhere else. In fact, it's important to point out that we know that Iran is a major factor in this, supporting Hamas, and we negotiate with Iran. Run by it, it's a terrorist country. Uh, But and and um, Biden just uh, had released six billion dollars. They say, oh, that six billion dollars wasn't used to buy weapons. Well, it's, it's interesting analogy. If uh, I know I'm getting it for, like, for example, um, uh, I, uh, I have a, I have a friend that say, Hey, Hal, I can loan you some money, but we don't want you buying any guns. I don't believe in the second amendment. And I know you like to buy guns. I say, Oh, okay. with that money you're giving me, I promise I won't buy any guns. So instead of the money to buy guns, I'm going to pay my grocery bills, bills. I'm going to pay my electricity bill. I'm going to fix my car, maybe buy a new one. And the money that I'm not spending for the guns, I mean, for the for the staples of life, I might just buy for guns. So it's, it's a ridiculous position to, to make that. And they do it with a straight face, too. They think people are that stupid. Well, you know what? Maybe they are that stupid. That's why they believe it. And all those weapons we left in Afghanistan... I wonder if some of them are being used by Hamas. I uh, wouldn't be doubted. I've, I've heard that some are, and I don't know for sure. Uh, it's because I heard something it doesn't mean it's true. But eighty plus billion dollars of military hardware in the hands of these crazy Muslim terrorists, and we know there's an international terrorist network that uh, worked very well together. Um, even if they might have different, um, the Taliban in Afghanistan and Hamas and uh, Palestine. You know, they may not be on direct communications, but we know they have a similar agenda. And that's the creation of a uh, international caliphate and the destruction of Christianity and uh, the, all those who oppose their forces. So uh, it's quite interesting. Um, and I know there are some people that think, gee, this might be Armageddon. This might be the end of the world. Well, uh, I don't know that. I uh, or, or the rapture. You know, that's one of the things we're hearing uh, that this may happen. But we've had wars in the Middle East. Um, you know, I can remember since the, since I I can remember. I don't remember the seven the the sixty seven war. Although I I can't say that I have vivid memories of it, but I remember uh, during the Nixon administration, Golda Meir. I remember um, Moshe, the general Dayan, who was the Israeli general, and so I do remember a number of the the battles or the wars. But I can't say I remember the six I think it was called the Six Day War in nineteen sixty seven. I don't. I have. Some good memories of that time, but I don't remember exactly that. I do remember, of course, a lot of Vietnam. We were in the in the Vietnam War, so maybe the media didn't cover the Israeli uh, incidents as much as they would did years later. Anyway, I don't want to switch gears just a little bit. I do want to have some really good news. My my one and only son got married the other day, right here in our home in Alton. We had a great time, and I'm very excited for. Him and his new wife, Megan, the delightful young lady, and they're going to be living the next town over. So that uh, makes makes me happy. And uh, my two grandsons came here uh, too, and haven't seen haven't seen them in a while. So it was it was very good. I was very pleased, and um, it was a great ceremony put on by uh, not put on but conducted by Reverend Stevie Craft and uh it was great. In fact, that's why he was uh, he was at the Bible study in Alton, at the men's Bible study because uh he was up here overnight to do the uh the service. So I, it was great. We we loved uh, having him here. And uh, anyway, we're ex- we're ex- excited about that. I still have uh th- three daughters that have not been married, but we may end up a few of them might be getting engaged sometime in the not too distant future. So no, also, um, we did uh, finish our weekend retreat, uh, two weekends ago, and it was a it was some really excellent classes. One of them uh, was conducted by Jim Perloff, who's uh, an old friend and have been a regular guest. It's uh, his topic was um, ev- uh, c- creation versus evolution, and he authored a book called Tornado in a Junkyard, and he uh, it's basically it's a book that refutes evolution. And when you refute evolution, you can only point to creation. And the t- the the name of the book "Tornado Through a Junkyard" was uh, part of a quote by a British scientist, and he said to the effect that the probability of evolution uh, is uh, like a tornado going through a junkyard and leaving in its wake a seven forty seven. And uh, and he's in, in, in Jim's book, which you can get on Amazon, or actually you can go to. I think it's Jim Perloff books, and I think you can get direct directly from him, which is, I think, a better better deal. They're brand new books, and he'll autograph them for you. Um, uh, it's really written it's in a layman. Uh, Jim isn't a scientist, and there are some great books written from a scientific perspective, which is over the head of some people, not all people, but many people. But this is something that kind of lays out scientifically why evolution is Im- impossible and a number of things he talks about symbiotic relationships for example um also the carb- the carbon dating seems to be the biggest thing that they uh, the the evolutionist people have in their corner and the bottom line is that it's so flawed and i, I heard an example of uh, i think a chicken bone uh one piece put in salt water another piece just buried and six months later they retrieved the bone in salt water and they do the carbon testing and it said it's 5,000 years old or something like that. Meanwhile, the bone that's been buried in the ground, yeah, it's six months old. It's not even starting to decay or just a little bit. So the carbon dating is very, very uh, suspect and cannot be relied upon. It can only go back so many, even if it was totally accurate, it can only go back so many thousands of years. It can't go back millions and millions and millions of years. But anyway, it's a, a great book uh, and and he also has a book called The Case Against Darwin. Uh, Darwin didn't know anything about DNA. Uh, uh, he just made observations and his I think his major goal was to help destroy Christianity. And I point out too that if you can look at the very first sentence in the Bible and question that in the beginning uh, was uh, in the beginning uh, was God and God created the heavens and the earth. If you could refute that, the rest of the Bible's up for grabs. And that's what the left did a very good job of doing. In fact, I remember uh, my eighth grade science teacher, and I don't believe that she was put there to destroy the, the faith of children deliberately. I think she believed it, and she was taught that in her school, and she believed it. She didn't say, you know, you people who believe in God are a bunch of idiots. Your parents are really Nazis. She didn't do that. But she just showed the typical... uh Pictures of the the apes, and then how they little bit little by little started walking upright. Next, you know, they became man uh, with a conscience and a, a, a consciousness uh, and a, a ability to understand God and so forth. Yeah, uh, eh, yeah, not not so great. Right. And in fact, uh, as Jim points out in his book, there have been absolutely no transitory forms of life ever anywhere. There's no uh, someone who's half monkey and half man. Uh, we, we may have some uh, some characteristics that are the same, but we're not monkeys, and uh, y- you can have two apes and they can procreate and they're always going to procreate apes. And uh, one of the things too they talk about in evolution is um uh, malformities. And somehow that led, that led to, uh, for example, giraffes with small necks, and one giraffe ended up having a big neck. And because it was advantageous to have a big neck uh, in the jungle, uh, the people or the animals with uh, the giraffes with the big necks um, ended up surviving where the giraffes with small necks all died. That sounds like an interesting theory, but there's no forms of life with no giraffes with small necks found anywhere in the world. And therefore, uh, that's that's just a, a myth that never happened Um uh, you know, there might be, there might be, some people use the word uh, micro, micro evolution. It, 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 when you think of the word evolution, you're talking about a change. Uh, diet might lead for, you know, for humans to be taller. Um, places where you live, uh, the environment uh, might have some, has some difference on your pigmentation, but you're still a human being and um uh, and even dogs is there's dozens and hundreds of different breeds of dogs but you get two dogs together and their offspring will not be a monkey will not be a parakeet will not be a human being it will be another dog period so there's lots of varieties in god's kingdom but when you match two uh two similar uh, male and female you're going to get the offspring of what they are as simple as that uh and I think Reverend Kraft has one of the better, uh, you know, he, and he's a, he's a Harvard-trained theologian, but he's a, he's a, not a scientist. But as I said uh, in my recent article, I'm not a scientist, but I do have, uh, I do kind of, I, uh, I, I'm a, I know scientists and I learn from them. And uh, he said, you believe in evolution? Let's go to the zoo and show me the monkeys turning into human beings. You're going to wait a long time to see that happen. In fact, it's not going to happen. So I want to recommend that book, and I'm going to be uploading the video uh, sometime soon, and on our YouTube channel and on our Rumble page. So, but be looking for it. I think you'll find. Also, Karen Testament, she ran for governor of New Hampshire a few times, unsuccessfully, unfortunately. Also, she was a city councilor in Franklin, New Hampshire, but she gave a wonderful class on the New Hampshire Constitution. Uh, the New Hampshire Constitution was the uh, very first constitution in what became the United States, after we declared independence. Now, that was meant to be a temporary constitution, and a new one was written, I think, in 1782. But she pointed out the first constitutional convention in the world happened in Exeter, New Hampshire, in, the, in, that, in that time, 1776. And that class will be uploaded uh, on the YouTube channel as well. Yeah, it's important to point out. That uh, the United States has fifty-one constitutions. We have the federal constitution, and we have constitutions of all fifty states. And uh, some of the uh, constitutions, like the Massachusetts Constitution, uh, predate the U.S. Constitution. Uh, you know that there was a little bit of uh, lifting uh, of the various uh, m- uh, rights. And you look at the uh, at the, the U.S. Constitution and the Massachusetts Constitution, some this, uh, and it was John Adams that had a lot to do with the Massachusetts Constitution, which, by the way, uh, slavery was outlawed in Massachusetts um, at that time. And in, in fact, uh, many states outlawed slavery before the Civil War, long before the Civil War. And I think it's important to point out that people, oh, the United States had slavery up until 1865. Well, not all of it. In fact, a lot of it was, and majority of states were not slave states. Well, we only have a couple of minutes left. So I want to, again, I want to just encourage you to uh, listen to this, not this show, but the station WBCQ, uh, The Planet. Uh, it's a great station, and uh, it's uh, the owner is dedicated to true free speech. He doesn't necessarily agree with all of the people that air programs on this, uh, but he he does believe in free speech, and uh, I do appreciate that. So we encourage you to uh, listen to the station, to share the, share, uh, they have a Facebook page. You can share the, you know, go onto the page and join it and uh, post, uh, share the posts that they they make. Consider starting your own show. You know, they have, and the the airtime is very reasonable. And it's really up to us, uh, those who host the show to promote it and those who are listener-based to promote it. So we do encourage you uh, to share this show uh, on various platforms. It's on Spotify and Amazon, uh, and of course, obviously WBCQ. Anyway, with that, we want to thank you for listening. You've been listening to Camp Constitution Radio on WBCQ, the planet. And until next week, may God richly bless you.